tired of offending people who don't believe in Jesus. Oh, what do I think? Who cares? Let's tell them the truth. Don't give me, they're just living their truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. In other words, if it doesn't come from this book, it's not true. Understanding the terms used by our culture to shut Christians down in the public square. That is the topic of this show tonight. Christian nationalism. Is it bad? Is it Republican? Is it me? We discuss. Tonight I want to tell you how important it is for Christians to not lose their voice in the public square. The world is counting on us. Our Father is counting on us. And Jesus has sent us into the world to change it for good. This is your favorite night of the week, The Deep End, on Tim Hatch, live. All right, I am pre-recording tonight, guys. I am uh, doing this because there is a storm coming right where I am currently at our studios in Florida, right south of Tampa. Literally 300 yards that way is the Tampa Bay Ocean. Okay, so I'm getting this done as quick as I can. I've been running around helping people board up their houses and prepare for the worst, but praying for the best. Would you pray for us? Uh, offer as many prayers as you can. Pray for no loss of life. Pray for minimal damage. Pray that God will protect his own. Um, so tonight, I'm going to just go through this content as best as I can for you. I wanted to get this content out because there's a discussion being had right now in our in our world that is worth talking about, and it's this discussion around how involved should Christians be in politics when we see the world so evil? And isn't there a separation of church and state? And, and shouldn't Christians just be quiet and not say anything that will make other people mad? Because after all, isn't the greatest commandment, be nice? Um, all that stuff is wrong. I'm going to talk about that tonight. And so welcome in to season six, episode eight, guys. Glad to have you. If you would do me the solid favor of hitting that like button, hitting that subscribe button and giving the beard some love and hitting that notification bell right there so that you can get notified on your smartphone device every time we go live. Now, what you have to understand about the world, what you have to understand about life is words matter. Words have meaning. Words shape reality. The scripture actually says in Proverbs, I think it's 18, 16. I'm not sure if that's the verse. But the power of life and death is in the tongue. How we speak and the words that we share, they shape reality. They shape our world. That is pretty much what politics is too. What news is, right? You get up in the morning, you're having a great morning, and then you read the news, and then you have a terrible day because the news is usually bad. Or you listen to a politician, and usually we follow our politician, the politician who speaks for us, speaks on our behalf, speaks to the things that we feel, right? The things that we believe. And so words have important meanings. Now, who is in charge of the words? This is why Christians have got to be aware of what's going on in the politics of our country, what's going on in the news of our country, because if we just do this thing where we we take the Essene route, in Jesus' day, the Essenes were a Jewish sect that hid in, the, hid in the caves of the ground, read their Bible all day and prayed all day. If we take that route, um, then we are going to fail to do what Jesus called us to do, which is to be salt and light, to be the city on a hill in our culture, in our generation. And scores of Christians before us have suffered and died to preserve truth for the constituency of their 
generation. How much more so in our generation? I fear that the cultural comforts available to Christians have sidelined us and the political correctness of our cultural moment has also sidelined us from getting engaged in the political discourse and in the active transformation of our society. So you got up, you hear bad news, but here on the deep end, we only share the news that's really important for you to hear. And we're going to talk about this more. Let's get into deep end news. Deep end news. News you choose if you could choose news. Okay, I can't tell you how excited I am to be half Italian today. I can't tell you how excited I am. And I've never said that in my life, but I am half Italian uh, on my mother's side. Uh, her maiden name was Frenny. And my great grandparents moved here for a better life from Sicily. All the Sicilians, shout out anyway. Italy just had their elections, and it seems that they are going to be electing their first female prime minister. And you would think that all the pro-women people out there, especially on the political left, on the progressive side of the aisle, would be like, yay, women empowerment, yay, women getting power, yay, this is an advancement for women's rights. Nope. They're calling her a far-right extremist, a danger to society. And this is exactly how our country is already framing it and will continue to frame her victory. She's far-right, she's Mussolini, she's... Uh, she's prompting trepidation, dismay. She's too God-oriented, too family-oriented, too fatherland-oriented. I mean, she's, they're, re, they're referring to this lady. Here, she'll be on the screen right here. They're referring to this lady as the next Mussolini, which is unbelievable. And then this is a speech that she had, and I want to show you this speech because this is what got her elected, I, I am 100% sure. And I want you to watch on the screen. I'll do my best to interpret the speech that's in Italian into English as much as I can. You're going to have to watch the video. If you only listen to the show, watch it on YouTube. Tim Hatch Live, youtube.com slash Tim Hatch Live. Watch this. This is the speech that I think got our elected watch. This is what we're doing here today. Why is the family the enemy? Why is the family so frightening? There's a single answer to all these questions. Because it defines us. It's our identity. Because everything that defines us is now an enemy. For those who would like us to no longer have an identity and to simply be perfect consumer slaves, they attack national identity, they attack religious identity, they attack gender identity, they attack family identity. I can't define myself as an Italian Christian woman mother. No. I must be citizen X, gender X, parent one, parent two. I must be a number. Because when I am only a number, when I no longer have an identity or roots, then I will be a perfect slave at the mercy of financial speculators. The perfect consumer. That's the reason why. That's why we inspire so much fear. That's why this event inspires so much fear. Because we do not want to be numbers. We will defend the value of the human being. Every single human being, because each of us has a unique genetic code that is unrepeatable. And like it or not, that is sacred. We will defend it. We will defend God, country, and family. Those things that disgust people so much we will defend because we will never be slaves and simple consumers at the mercy of financial speculators. That is our mission. That is why I came here today. Chesterton wrote more than a century ago, this quote is fire.
She's looking for it. Fires will be kindled to testify that two and two make four. Swords will be drawn to prove that leaves are green in summer. End quote. The time has arrived. We are ready. Thank you. My word. I have never in my life seen such an inspiring speech. And to quote Chesterton, the, the Chesterton quote, that fires will be kindled to testify that two and two make four. Swords will be drawn to prove that leaves are green in summer. What was G.K. Chesterton talking about? He was talking about the fact that the, the insanity of liberalism, the insanity of, of uh, a world and a culture without the undergirding of Christianity and faith will lead to wars having to be fought for common sense to be common sense, for truth to be had. That's what he was saying in that line. And she picks up on that line, amazing quote. I don't know where she found it, but God bless her. God bless Italy, uh, Europe, which America has been following for centuries, or not centuries, for decades into uh, liberalism and progressivism and sexual liberation and all of this nonsense and, and casting off like we've been talking about on the show, that old dirty sweat of Christianity for the future of liberty and freedom as mankind defines his own liberty and freedom. Uh, America's been following that track. Well, guess what? Amer uh, Europe has woken up. I think COVID had a lot to do with that. The intense COVID lockdown restrictions in Italy and around uh, Europe had a lot to do with this pushback against this movement. And I am hopeful about our country that as we followed Europe over to the left and sexual craziness and perversion and the, the annihilation of truth. I am hopeful that our country will now see and follow this same tide that is sweeping across America. It happened in Sweden. They elected a right-wing conservative uh, who stands for family and marriage and the unborn. And now in Italy, a woman who will stand for family, marriage, and the unborn. And you think, again, that the, the political leftists, the, the feminists would be all amped up about a woman coming to power in Italy. Not so. This is how Google News headlines read yesterday. Georgia Maloney, Italy's far right on course to win election. Georgia Maloney claims victory to become Italy's most far right prime minister since Mussolini. That's from CNN. What else do you expect from CNN? Uh, the Guardian, God, Family, Fatherland, how Georgia Maloney has taken Italy's far right to the brink of power. Um, Foreign Policy magazine writes, is Italy seeing the rise of a new fascism? Uh, time has qu question and answer Italy's AOC on the threat of the new Italian right. So Italy has their own AOC. Let's pray for them. <laughs> and then this headline from the Atlantic, the return of fascism in Italy under the tagline, under the title says, with Georgia Maloney's party leading in polls ahead of Sunday's election, the Italian far right is edging closer to power. So it's all fun and games when liberal women win power when right-wing conservative women win power it's the rise of fascism and where have i seen that kind of imaging imaging done on on a political leader's face and posture before oh yes i remember right that was our president a couple of weeks ago when he claimed half the country was a danger to the republic the pacific writes this article women's rights in danger after italy elects first female prime minister. Just listen to the insanity of that title. Women's rights in danger after Italy elects first female prime minister. That That's like a headline from the New York Times saying blacks are in danger of being enslaved again on the election of Barack Obama as the first black president. 
But this is what happens. This is what we're supposed to believe. Up is down, left is right, black is white, white is black, and nothing makes sense anymore. So the far right language about this, right? We've got to be alert to it. We've got to be aware of it because this is how the progressives and the um, secularists win. This is how they win because they take a term, far right extremist, and they apply it to anything. Anything that they disagree with is far right extremism. And, and we've got to be aware of it because those who stand for truth, okay? Now, I'm not talking about vote Republican. I'm not talking about vote far right. I'm not talking about vote for the right-wing candidate. I'm talking about the vote for and support policies in our country that are true. Like, let's get, let's get that out of the way because I don't want you to think I'm here to pander or, 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 or promote the Republican Party. They've got their own holes. They've got their own mess. But I am saying vote for truth. Vote for things that are true. So let me just put some things on the screen here. It's not far right to say that men, uh, it's not the far right, I'm sorry, that are, that are saying men can get pregnant. It's not the far right saying redefine the family. It's not the far right instituting putting X on the gender box in your driver's license or cutting off the breasts of healthy 14-year-olds or burning down cities in political protests or encouraging kids to attend dances where men dress as lewd women and twerk for money. Or, and it's not far right, this is actually wrong on the screen there, just ignore that, to fight for morality in our culture that leads to healthy living, families, communities, which is biblically rooted morality. Okay, it, it's not far right to be doing that stuff. Um, it is far left to say men can get pregnant. It is far left to redefine the family. It is progressive sexual secularization of our country to say, put an X on the gender box in your driver's license and, and encourage kids to have um, life-altering surgeries at the age of 14. If we do not speak up, if we do not speak up, the lost will. And by the way, the lost have no problem speaking up. They love to speak up. They're the ones that speak up all the time. They're the ones with the hashtag pride all over their social media accounts. They're the ones who never shut up. And I fear that Christians have skulked off into the corner because we're afraid of offending anybody. We're going to be hated. We should be hated. It's okay to be hated. I, I say this on a regular basis, but you know, the, the people who spoke truth in an age where, tr where lies were popular, were hated in their age, but were almost deified and honored and heralded in the ages beyond them. Copernicus for, for example, you, 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 you have a guy who said, no, the, the earth is not the center of the universe. The sun is the center of our solar system and, and our solar system is not even the center of the universe. And they hated him. And the church, the Catholic church that had power in those days, demonized him. Luther, who came along and said, salvation is by faith through grace alone, by grace through faith alone. They demonized him. They, they tried to kill him. Or uh, William Tyndale, who's was not just killed for the faith of trying to put the Bible in your hands, but when, uh, was it Queen Mary took the power again? Bloody Mary took the power in England again? They dug up his bones and they mashed them and burned them and threw them into the Rhine River. I mean, <laughs> usually there's hatred for the truth tellers. Case in point, Jesus Christ was a truth teller. He came and he bore witness to the truth and he said, they hate me because I bear witness to the truth. If we don't bear witness to the truth, the only people who will be speaking are the lost, the liars. And I don't blame the lost for lying because they're lost. 
They listened to their father, the devil. Jesus never blamed the laws for speaking. He said, you're just doing what your father does. That's what he does. He lies. But we are the people of the truth. And if we don't speak up, we will lose. We will lose our families. We will lose our future. We will lose our country. We will lose civility as we have already seen. We will lose decency. Consider the examples that we've experienced. Consider the uh, uh, past example. When GQ magazine put Pharrell Williams on, in a dress on the cover in 2019. Consider that this is where they want to go. That's a man now. A man wears a dress. Or a man is the feature speaker at a woman's supper, su summit for Forbes business leaders. Literally, Forbes business leaders has asked this dude who pretends to be a girl to speak at their women's summit. This is the dude frolicking on his on his TikTok account. And he is the featured speaker at Ford's Business Women's Summit. I'm scared of getting lined. Seriously, <laughs> consider Christopher Rufo's reporting on the National Teachers Union LGBTQ caucus creating a website that promotes a how-to guide for anal sex bondage and other sick and twisted sexual fetishes fetishes fetishes. <laughs> this is the page. Just so you know that I'm not lying. Literally, it's not even hiding anymore. It's out in the open. And if you say these things should be banned, if you say they shouldn't put pornography into the hands of our children for summer reading projects, they call you a book burner. They call you a Nazi. This is how they win the argument because they're the only ones speaking up. No, it's not. It's not um, being a Nazi to say, I don't want my kid to be reading pornographic homosexual material for his summer reading assignment. And then they change the science. They change the science to fit their ideology. Consider what just happened last week. Stacey Abrams running for governor in Georgia. This is from the Daily Mail reporting. Pro-abortion, Stacey Abrams sparks outrage after saying fetal heartbeats are a manufactured sound designed to convince people men have a right to control a woman's body. This is during a speaking event in Atlanta, and she claimed there's no such thing. No, 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 now we deny science. There's no such thing as a fetal heartbeat at six weeks of gestation. She was taking, of course, heart attack, uh, taking aim at the heartbeat law that was signed into law by Governor Kemp in Georgia, uh, a couple years ago. <laughs> now, there is, a, there is a heartbeat of six weeks, but she now denies it. And this is the video, just so you can know, I'm not lying. There is no such thing as a heartbeat at six weeks. It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body away from I mean, unbelievable. They, they, they just deny science. Oh, and by the way, Planned Parenthood went right to work for Stacey and literally scrubbed the fact that they had on their website that a baby did have a heartbeat at six weeks and changed the language, words matter, changed the language the day after Stacey Abrams said that on the campaign trail. This is called doing yeoman's work. This is the rabid pro-abortion movement denying science and saying that, quote, an unborn baby isn't a human until I say it is, end quote. And it's done to justify cruelty and extremism. And they're the only ones who are saying it. And they are proud. They're proud to lie. They're proud to change the rules. They're proud to scrub the website. I mean, how many times are we going to see the term recession being changed on Wikipedia to make sure that we don't actually think that we're in a recession when we are? This is how it works. And they speak up and they lie and it doesn't matter because they get away with it because nobody calls them on it. And we are the people of the truth. Truth should matter. We should call truth out no matter who it offends no matter who it upsets. Because the rule now, the rule from the sexual progressives and the secularists is, trust the doctors about the vaccine, but ignore them about an innocent life in the womb. That's what you gotta do. That's, that's how we follow the science. We follow the science selectively according to our ideology. That's what it is. Consider that 
in the Office for Civil Rights. This is the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. This is the Biden administration's Health and Human Services uh, putting on their website a complete support and affirmation for providing life-altering surgery and gender-affirming puberty blockers to teenagers. A teenager that doesn't even know what he is. A brain hasn't even fully developed until the age of 25. We've said this repeatedly on this channel. And now the Biden administration, the Biden administration, which doesn't do mean tweeting, but man, they're gonna make sure the puberty blockers can get in the hands of 12 year olds. How progressive, how wonderfully, I don't know, Catholic of him. Seriously, consider this licensed professor, licensed professional counselor. This is Miranda Galbraith. And she uploaded a video to her YouTube channel called Let's Talk About Minor Attracted Persons. Now that term, minor attracted persons, is the politically correct term that you're allowed to use and they're going to instruct you to use for pedophiles, people who want to rape children. And in the video, she attempts to frame pedophiles as the most vilified population of folks who suffer from judgmental assumptions in the water population watch. Hi folks, my name is Miranda. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a licensed professional counselor and sex therapist in Erie, Pennsylvania. And today I wanna to talk about minor attracted persons. And I want to talk about minor attracted persons because they are probably the most vilified population of folks in our culture. And most folks are making incorrect assumptions about them without actually knowing much about them. And those assumptions create harm for an already marginalized population. The, the language is don't harm these people. They're the victim, not you, not the child that they rape. Mm -mm, no, they're the victim. And now you say, well, we're not to that crazy yet. No, of course we're not to that crazy yet as a, as a cultural whole. Most people would absolutely denounce what she just said. But what I'm trying to talk about and what you have seen over the course of the last 50 to 40 years in this country is it first comes in subversively through this rearrangement of languages like gay marriage. We, we just want our own rights. We just want our, what does our gay marriage have to do with you? And, and, and now we have uh, men competing against women in sports in the Olympics because what? Because we just wanted to get married. It's just, it subtly comes in subversively as an undercurrent. And then Hollywood kicks in with the programming and the movies to make sure that they always cast that kind of lifestyle in a very positive light. And then they go after the kids. And before you know it, they're producing Disney movies with transgender characters because progress, because that's good for you, because that's what you want your kid to do. You're, you want your 12 year old tw girl little girl to tell you she's a boy and then you want to support her until she gets through that phase and then she has no uh, genitals of a female and she has an Adam's apple and hair on her chest and she's miserable and she's been lied and deceived for her entire teenage life and then she's going to sue the doctors who did it and I hope she does because this is how it works we have to speak up because the only people speaking up are the people who are lost and lying Consider a drag, this is unbelievable, I just saw this, a drag queen show in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where a man dressed as a woman allowed a child to rub his pants over the genital area. And I have, there's a video, I don't even want to show the video. There's a picture, the picture's enough. I mean, that's a dude, that's a dude letting a child rub his genital area right now at a drag queen show in Chattanooga, Tennessee. This is, and, and if you say anything, this, this is, you are a far right extremists. This is, this is, you are a hateful bigot. Uh, it's unbelievable how the culture is going and Christians and ministers and pastors are saying nothing.
That's why I do this show. This is why I get so heated because I feel like I'm the only one saying anything. This is why you need to subscribe and you need to like the video and you need to help me because I absolutely know that YouTube is suppressing this content. I absolutely know it. The rule is you're the prime minister of Italy, far-right fascist. You're a Christian, far-right fascist. Republican, far-right fascist. Parents, parents who want their children to be taught what they want and not what the culture wants, far-right fascist. Pro-family, pro-mom and dad family, far-right fascist. Not voting for Biden, far-right fascist. Babies in the womb, far-right fascist. Everybody's a far-right fascist because they win the argument by shaming you into silence. Jesus said, you will be hated by all for my sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. This is the moment Jesus was talking about, by the way. The enduring to the end. Do you ever get so frustrated and mad? And you think, What's going on with our, what is going on with our culture? What's going to happen? It's going to get worse, probably, if we don't stem the tide through our prayer, through our words, through speaking up and saying something. It's going to get worse. But if, it, if, if this is the end, if this is like the end time, are we in the last days? Maybe we are. It's quite possible. It's unbelievable how easy it has been for the secular progressive um, uh, demons to take over the cultural conversation. And if you're not called a far-right fascist, you might be called a Christian nationalist. I want to talk to you about what is Christian nationalism. And I want to talk to you about that on this edition of the Deep Endopedia. All right, so what is Christian nationalism and what should we think about this? If you listen to the news media, Christian nationalism is the worst thing to happen to the world since Hitler. Now, the reason why this term Christian nationalism is so popular right now is because of Congresswoman from Georgia, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's a lightning rod. There's no doubt about it. And is she too much? Even for me, and I'm a Christian, <laughs> she's a little bit too much for a lot of people. Uh, but this is from the USA Today headline, Marjorie Taylor Greene, other conservatives lean to Christian nationalism. What is it? And they talk about it in this article. I won't go through the whole article today, but basically they summarize by Joseph, uh, quoting Joseph Williams, associate professor of religion at Rutgers, who said people who subscribe to Christian nationalism believe that maintaining a close relationship to Christianity as a nation will allow it to fulfill its God-given destiny. Uh, there are many books that excoriate Christian nationalism. Anyone who, and you have to understand the rules here about Christian nationalism. It only comes from the right. It doesn't come from the left. Um, it only comes from pro-lifers, not pro-choicers. It only comes from people who hold to traditional marriage as all human beings have defined marriage for all human history, except for the past seven years in this country. Um, not the people who embrace all kinds of weird sexual marriage orientations or uh, alliances. So there's a lot of uh, work done to demonize anyone who holds to Christian nationalism on the right, such as a book titled The Flag and the Cross by Philip Gorksky and Samuel Perry, where they write American Christian nationalism goes back to the colonial era when, uh, era when colonists proclaimed the belief that the land rightly belonged to them as white Protestant Britons, not indigenous people. Now that is so detached from accurate history. It's not even funny. Uh, the settlers who came into our country knew the land wasn't theirs. They looked to the natives to help them farm and help them feed themselves and help them survive. And they wouldn't have survived if it hadn't been for the natives who intervened. Uh, what was the name of the what was the name of the Native American who helped the first settlers? <laughs> I forget. Anyway, very important Native American. Put it in the comments below if you remember it. 
Another book by uh, Andrew Whitehead and Samuel Perry, Taking Back America for God, where, she, where they write Christian nationalism is a collection of myths, traditions, symbols, narratives, and value systems that idealizes and advocate a fusion of Christianity with American civil life. It assumes... Uh, it includes assumptions of nativism, white supremacy, of course, patriarchy, and heteronormativity, along with divine sanction for authoritarian control and militarism. It is an ethic. It is as ethnic as political and political as it is religious. Okay, so this is how they do it. They align you. If you are heteronormative, which means you believe that marriage is a man and a woman. <laughs> if you believe that dads matter, that makes you a part of the patriarchy. If you... Uh, admit that yes, white people came to this country. <laughs> they did. Uh, you are a white supremacist. I mean, this is how they lump everybody into one big pot and call you a Christian nationalist. This book by, and I forget who this is by, uh, oh yeah, Michael Austin, God, Guns, and America. God and Guns in America. He writes, Christian nationalism includes several core beliefs such as the Bible should be the only foundation for all American life. The United States must be returned to its status as a Christian nation. Uh, conservative Christians are superior and have a right to rule over America, and Christians must keep our nation from its continuing slide into the corruption wrought by the secular by secular humanism. So, they always make these broad brushed depictions, these caricatures of Christians in the public square to call you a Christian nationalist and then silence you. Do you understand? Most Christians do not believe they are better than other people. They don't. They believe that Jesus is better than all people. A true Christian believes Jesus Christ is the only good person. A true Christian believes that they are an evil person who needed Jesus Christ to die for them because they are an evil person. And most Christians do not want to rule over other people. They want, though, they want laws that will help people flourish, help children grow and be healthy, help people make wise decisions for their life financially, emotionally, relationally, and socially. Christians don't want to rule. They want to be salt and light. They want to affect change. Uh, Christians, most Christians that I know anyway, don't believe that we are a Christian nation, never were a Christian nation, but we were founded on Christian principles, as I discussed in the deep dive episode one this season, that our constitution was made only for a moral religious people. It is wholly inadequate for any other. That is John Adams. And so, or George Washington, who quotes God left, right, and center in almost every single one of his addresses. The first president most definitely said that Christianity underpins the freedoms that we have as a country. The idea of America only comes through the ideals of the Reformation that established freedom for people and liberty that is restrained by a conscience that has been shaped by the Holy Spirit, which we receive by faith in Jesus Christ. You cannot have a system of liberty in a country if the people do not know how to restrain their own evil tendencies. I'm just telling you, and, and, and we're going to see more totalitarianism from the left because they don't trust you to make decisions for yourself, and they don't trust you to run your own life, and they don't trust you to restrain yourself, so they have to tell you exactly what to do because they have jettisoned God, and they have jettisoned the Holy Spirit and conscience from America, from civil life, and now they must be your God. They must be your conscience, and so follow us and believe like us, or we will demonize you. Now, there are examples even in this uh, round of uh, election season. We are headed right into the November midterms here and the AP reporting Christian nationalism on the rise in some GOP campaigns, most notably in the PA governor race, Pennsylvania governor race with Republican Doug Mastriano. Here is a video of him at a campaign rally quoting using very much Christianese biblical language in a play for political power. Watch. 
We have the power of God with us. We have Jesus Christ that we're serving here. He's guiding and directing our steps. And in November, we're going to take our state back. My God will make it so. Definitely Christian language, biblical language being used. I, I get a little bit taken aback by that. I don't like it. Um, as much as I believe that Christian values should be implemented in our laws, <laughs> Christian morality should be imp implemented in our laws, I don't like language like that, but this is what they pick up on. They pick up on the extremes and uh, the AP article writing, scholars define Christian nationalism as going beyond policy debates and championing a fusion of American and Christian values, symbols, and identity. And then it writes this later on in the article, some of Idaho's Republican primaries for the legislature were won by candidates touting Christian values or sharing priorities with Christian nationalists. And I look at the priorities such as sports bans for transgender athletes. Yes, Christians, I guess, if you want to say it, don't want men competing against women. Okay, yeah, fine. That's a, I guess that's a Christian nationalist view. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia, who uses biblical phrasing to be a watchman on the wall against those seeking to destroy our faith, easily won her primary. Okay, so now they get scared. They get scared by this language because this language undermines what they want for the language of our culture. And the question must be posed, is this a fair attack or is it a political attack? Is this a fair attack or is this a political attack? That question has to be asked. Evidently, the people writing these articles where a candidate quotes biblical themes to undergird the values, this is bad if they're Republican. But Democrats have and continue to do the exact same thing. <laughs> Republicans and Democrats both, both quote the Bible. Both talk about their Christian faith undergirding their philosophy. I want to give you a couple of examples. Consider this. Gavin Newsom, back at it again, promoting the fact that you should kill your baby in California if you can't kill your baby in other states. And he took out billboard ads in other states. This is an example. Need an abortion. California is ready to help. And he literally quotes Jesus. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. So, so literally quoting the Bible, this liberal Democrat quotes the Bible to promote killing your baby, your unborn baby in California, if your state has some outdated, hideous law against you killing your baby in that state. So, so the rule is, if you're, if, you're keeping, if you're keeping track, the rule is simple. If a conservative pro-life candidate quotes the Bible, that is a horrible, no good Christian nationalism. If a pro-death to your unborn child paid for it by the taxpayers, liberal quotes the Bible, yay democracy. That's how it works. <laughs> These are the rules. And when Trump shows up at church, the news media goes ballistic. But when Hillary shows up at church to preach, that's fine. It's actually courage. It's actually wonderful. This past week, Kamala Harris showed up at the American Baptist Association and literally preached about her faith and how her faith empowered her to become vice president and how her faith shapes her views on abortion. Watch the video. For me and President Joe Biden, faith guides our work every day. So I will say to the National Baptist Convention, we know, we know deeply that when people of faith come together, anything is possible. Everything is possible. Yeah, so it's okay to be at the National Baptist Association and preach and speak as a Democratic vice president but when Christians start to talk about faith and Christianity on the right, that's really, really bad. Later on, by the way, in that same speech, she talked about the fact that there is a loophole. There is a loophole, see, for those of you who have a problem with the Democratic 
platform on killing your unborn baby and defining marriage for whatever it is. There's a loophole. And here's the loophole that Kamala Harris espouses. This is how you get away with it. As extremists work to take away the freedom of women to make decisions about their own bodies, faith leaders are taking a stand, knowing one does not have to abandon their faith or deeply held religious beliefs to agree that a woman should have the ability to make decisions about her own body and not have her government tell her what to do. There's the loophole. You don't have to abandon your faith. You do not have to abandon your personal belief about that child in the womb to agree with us that providing abortions to kill children with taxpayer money is good. You don't have to, you don't have to, hey, 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 if you got a problem with killing unborn children, don't do it. That's all we're saying. But don't stop us from doing it. I mean, that's like, that's like Hitler talking to his youth saying, look, you don't have to abandon your personal privately held belief about human beings to help us kill certain human beings. We are doing the killing. You just don't get in our way. Literally, that is what is happening here. You see the insanity of this? It's all to silence those who voice any policy agenda that counters the very empowered and very emboldened progressive secularists of our society. And you get demonized as Hitler or out of touch, bigots, racist, homophobic. I mean, the list goes on and on. And this is, this is the rule. This is the standard. This is the framework where they win. This is how they win the argument. Because use the Bible to promote pro-life policies. Again, horrible, no good Christian nationalism. Use the Christian faith to promote the death of the unborn. Yay, democracy. And then there are going to be people. And I know you have friends and family members who argue about First Amendment. First Amendment. No law. Separation of church and state. Okay, the words separation of church and state do not exist in the First Amendment. I will put the text of the First Amendment on the screen, just so we're clear. The First Amendment says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of people to peacefully assemble or to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Now, notice that it does not say separation of church and state. It does not say Christians shut up about politics and laws and what our culture considers decent and acceptable. It does not say that because it did not intend that and it did not mean that ever. It meant that there will be no state church, which I can appreciate and I like because I don't want to be Baptist. If the church, if the state says you got to be Baptist, I don't want to be Baptist. <laughs> I want to be biblical. I don't want to be Pentecostal. I want to be biblical. I want to be true to the text of scripture and listen to what God says, not government. However, that does not mean that we then stay silent about policy positions in our culture that matter. It does not mean that we hide and go and lock ourselves away and just pray and never do anything. No, no, no. Jesus described the church as what? The salt of the earth. And if you lose your taste, Matthew 5, 13, how, how are you going to be restored to saltiness? You're no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And that is mainly where the church is right now, trampled under people's feet. See, my friends, it is not, and I want to say this very clearly so that you understand where I'm coming from and what I'm, the point I'm trying to drive home today. It is not Christian nationalism to fight for the right to life for the unborn, to believe marriage is between a man and a woman, to believe parents should have the final say of their children's biological development instead of the state or the healthcare industry. See, this is not Christian nationalism. This is truth. This is good. This leads to human flourishing. And at some point, I think every Christian has to I ask themselves, when I go to vote, 
do I vote for truth or do I vote for what feels good, what seems right, what is, you know, what is acceptable in my mind? Like line the policy positions up to truth because the devil's not even hiding anymore. The, the, the National Teachers Union, they are a voting block and they vote Democrat every single time. At some point, Christians have to say, maybe I need to rethink my alliances politically because truth is being cast into the streets. And I'm not just saying vote. Please understand me. It's not just vote. We've got so much other things that we can do. In fact, voting is one of the weakest things that we can do. It's one of the simplest things. It's, it's a very important thing. But there's so many other things that we must do as Christians. Let me put them up on the screen for you. What we have to do is we have to make faith the top priority in our home, in our lives. We cannot dance around being a Christian anymore. We cannot maybe go to church, maybe support the church, maybe be involved. You've got to. We are the salt of the earth. We cannot lose our saltiness. We've got to know our Bibles. We've got to know what the truth is. Then we've got to pray and fast so, so that God would intervene. We have to work in and among pagans. We can't hate them. We can't avoid them. We can't stay away from them. And we have to show up and speak up. We have to show up and speak up. We have to run for school board. Speak at the school board meeting. State and local offices. Christians, get involved. And then don't let intimidation silence us. That's exactly what the devil wants. The God of this world wants you to be silent. How much more should we speak up? There are others who need to see you speak up so that they will gain the courage to speak up. And I have seen this happen in my own life when I've gone to public meetings and I've spoken up for truth about things that matter. And people came around afterwards and said, thank you that you said that because I feel the exact same way you are, but I was too afraid to say it. That happens so many times. I had a woman come to, my, come to me after church on Sunday and she talked about the fact that her child was sent home with a reading project and the reading project and the assignment was literally to talk about the fact that your parents want you to believe one way, but you should believe the way you want to believe. Literally, that was the assignment. The assignment was to undermine the authority of a parent. And this is the public school system doing this, assigning your children papers to write to say, mom and dad don't know what they're doing. I need to make my own decisions. And I said, man, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta speak up. You have got to show up. And, and, and when you show up and when you speak up, other people will be emboldened. Look, the time for just getting mad is over. The time for just getting upset and just saying, well, what can you do? That's over. We've got to get involved. And it's okay to be involved. And it, at the very least, at the very least, um, say something to someone you know. Because maybe they believe the exact same way you do, but they just need somebody else to say it. That is what Christians do. Let us not lose our birthright. Let us not lose our heritage. We serve a Savior who was crucified because he bore witness to the truth. So we must do as well. Both in the schools, in the marketplace, at the lunch table and in our neighborhoods and in our PTA meetings, whatever it takes, because Jesus is coming and we wanna be found working. Amen. That's the show, guys. I'm so glad that you guys were here. I'm so thankful that you watch. Make sure you like the video, subscribe. Make sure that you're uh, hitting that notification bell. Make sure also that you are supporting the channel. I need your support. We, we ask for your support. That is the Cash App. Tim Hatch Live or timhatchlive.com slash support. Your support helps get this content out there. I don't think there will be a deep dive tomorrow. I don't. The storm is coming. I don't know. Pray for Florida. Pray for our area and pray for safety for all of God's people and even those who would be God's people when we preach the gospel to them. As for me, let's keep pressing forward. Let's keep speaking up. Let's keep bearing witness to the truth. 
Let's be found working when Jesus Christ comes. Have a good night. God bless you. Take care.